0: A show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be hearing from Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control books, and Kirk Mclehern, the iTunes guy from MacWorld, talking about Apple's MapGate controversy and all sorts of other stuff on the Tech Night Owl Live. Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books joins us. Of course, they're doing a lot of work because iOS 6 came out. And in the first few days, it was reported that 100 million people had downloaded a copy. And now one of these web stat places that checks clicks to see where the people are coming from says that 60% of all iPhone users... And we understand not all iPhones can run iOS 6, but 60% of those that are out there are running iOS 6, 40% of the iPad user base, and that's as of
1: one week. Isn't that amazing or is that amazing? It's amazing, but it's actually less amazing than, say, with Mac updates, simply from the fact of iOS 6 is free and iTunes just offers it to you or your iOS device just offers it to you. So people are much more likely to upgrade to iOS 6 latest versions than they are Mac latest versions because they don't really have to do anything. You know, I
0: kind of think here maybe what Apple should be doing with Things like OS ten, the price of nineteen ninety nine for Mountain Lion. It's almost absurd. It's almost like a giveaway. So give I, it away.
1: Just make it an automatic upgrade. I actually agree entirely. OS ten should either be free or one hundred and twenty nine dollars. Either there should be some value to it where you really have to pay for it, you know, where it's non trivial, hundred and twenty nine dollars, or everyone should be using it and Apple should just give it away. We know that's not where they make their money. They're not making big money there. And what that does actually paradoxically, is, heck, if the operating system only costs $20, why should an app cost more than that? How could you possibly sell an app for more than $20 if all of Mac OS X only costs 20 bucks?
0: Well, you could say the same thing for iOS. iOS 6 is free. How can somebody charge me
1: $10 for an app or even $3 for an app? But when it's free, I think it's different. Because when it's free, obviously, Apple is making their money on selling you the device that it runs on. But as soon as they start to charge for it, that's when things change, because that's when you are really making, forgive me, an apples-to-apples comparison. You buy software that's your operating system, you buy software that's your application. How can the operating system, which is so clearly a bigger deal and more harder to build and much more complex than an application, be the same price or less than an application. And so what it does is it forces applications to price themselves lower because people think, well, Echoes 10 is only 20 bucks. I'm not going to pay even $10 for this application. Maybe if it's $6, you know, or the $3.99 apps. So I think it's Apple's pushing that race to the bottom for the entire ecosystem of developers.
0: With the Mac App Store, does that help developers sell more product? I mean, if you charge 25 dollars for an app, and now the market forces you to make it 1499, because it's always got to have a 99cent thing. This is something from the dollar sure. stores or something like that. I have to ask a marketing person why 99 cents is so important. But okay, you make it
1: 1499, you kind of hope you're going to sell two or three times as many copies you can hope that all you want, but I actually think it's potentially even worse. Because let's think about it. In the quote-unquote bad old days, you sold through your own site where you controlled everything about the experience. Now, if you sell on the Mac App Store, you not only control almost nothing about the experience, you don't even get access to the customer in terms of being able to support them or talk to them in any, any other way, but you are presented next to all your competitors, which, again, causes a race to the bottom in price because there's so little information on the Mac App Store and Apple doesn't allow demos. So as a result, the only way for a rational customer to compare these apps is on price. So basically, it's forcing a rush to the bottom, in your opinion. I think so. Isn't really that do.
0: regardless of whether OS X is free or 19.99 or 29.99?
1: I just, I just think if it's I think if it were free or 129.99, it would either be falling out of the equation or it would be high enough that it would be more expensive than most software, so that it wouldn't it would again fall out of the equation. When it's right smack dab there, let's say you make an app which is take something like PDF Pen. I think that's $49.99. It's a PDF viewer and editor. On the face of it, it's not that much different than Preview. I mean, obviously, it is that different than Preview. It does lots more stuff. But if you don't really know, you might think, well, gee, I got Preview with Mac OS X for $19. Why should I pay $49 for this other app? that it creates a situation where people are always internally comparing in their heads what those prices are. I don't think Apple's making that much money on it compared to what they're making everything else on. It's just unnecessary.
0: All right. So we're going to have an app store, no matter what. (laughs) Apple has decreed there shall be an app store, and it's going to have all sorts of restrictions that people will probably not like, and one of those restrictions being sandboxing. So certain features that app developers might want to include, they're suddenly forced not to include. We're going to have that problem. We're going to have the OS being a giveaway. For all practical purposes, it's a giveaway. But I was looking at other statistics from Net Applications, one of these places. They survey 40,000 websites for web traffic, and they're reporting that The migration rate from lion to mountain lion is the same as from snow leopard to lion. So
1: it's not gotten any better because it's cheaper. But on the other hand, it's not 129. I mean, there's a big difference between 129 and 29 and much less difference between 29 and 1999.
0: Remember also that snow leopard was a lower cost upgrade to leopard.
1: Snow leopard was low. Leopard was high. Tiger was high. Panther was high. I mean the thing is is I mean if you go back and look at the iOS ones too for a while, like the iPod touches had to have a have a a nine ninety nine upgrade cost because something to do with how Apple had accounted for them, and so they they had not accounted for that, so that it's possible there's something related to that, but I've never heard Apple say anything around, around you know to that effect with mac os ten so who knows? But the fact of the matter is that, again, Apple is sitting on, you know, a hundred plus billion dollars in cash, and this is not where they make their money. They make their money on selling hardware. And even yeah. though they're giving dividends now, it's like yeah. a drop in the bucket. Yeah. yeah. Apple oh, the, is a cash machine. The dividends don't reduce Apple's cash, they reduce the rate of the growth of Apple's cash. Right. But it's still going to grow by leaps bounds. Yeah, right. It's only going to grow by leaps and bounds, as opposed to leaps, bounds, and you know, you know, Superman jumping over the building. Right. Speaking
0: of Superman, they now got a trailer of Man of Steel next year's Superman movie, and you hear him fly like he's breaking the sound barrier. It's different <laughs> than previously. You know, he would just you hear the whooshing sound. You know, the classic. Superman whoosh, which comes out from the radio days. We're getting into subjects that we don't care about. Okay, so let's just point this out that you and I agree that if Apple's going to sell an OS upgrade, they either go back to what they did early in the Mac universe back in the nineteen eighties until like nineteen ninety one or something like that. Make OS upgrades free of charge. Download a copy, it's all yours or sell them at a standard $129. In contrast, of course, look what Microsoft is doing. They're selling a Windows 8 downloadable update for $39.99, twice Apple's. I guess they feel it's twice the value or twice the aggravation, depending on your point of view. But the price reverts at the end of January.
1: Well, and Microsoft's in an entirely different situation because sure. they don't sell the hardware. Right. So, it would make absolutely – and they, don't, they do not provide, at least at this point, a significant marketplace for the application. So, you know, they're in a, they're in a completely different thing. I mean, one of the things that's fascinating about the whole how these very large companies compete is that they never compete head-to-head in the same ways. Apple makes their money in hardware. Microsoft makes their money in software. Google makes its money on ads. Uh, Amazon makes its money selling other people's products. You know, it's – there's a huge – I mean, they're all fighting and they're all doing a lot of the same kinds of things, but because they all have completely different revenue models – they can they can really compete in in interesting ways you
2: know very strange them, Gip, sometimes
0: Gip, it's, it's,
1: strange things. as someone once said
0: in a 60s show strange but interesting we have adam inks of tidbits and take control books i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night How live <laughs> Neighbors, you've seen all those crazy wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1. S-E-E-N number one. SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code seen
3: When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237.
5: Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed.
6: I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing.
5: Reed was facing a tough choice.
6: I was facing surgery due to the severity of 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision.
5: And the result? I
6: can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order
5: Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305, 866-295-5305, or HBExtract.com. Heart and Body Extract, for a long and healthy life.
7: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at Tech That's news at Tech If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com.
0: We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books joining us, focusing on from OS X to iOS 6 and Apple's marketing and selling operating systems to the fact that all these companies are competing with each other. We have Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft, and each of them has a different financial model. It's not like Sony competing with Panasonic. They're both selling TV sets or something. Here we have Google with the ad clicks and Amazon with the merchandise they sell because it's a storefront. And we have Apple selling the hardware and Microsoft selling the operating systems and other software. And that makes for a confusing
1: situation and also the fact that in some ways these companies still work together. Yeah, that they they absolutely do. That you know, people are certainly using their Apple devices to access Google sites and read books in their Kindle apps, and vice versa. I mean, it's it's definitely more intertwined than, uh, than than pe- many people quite realize. Although Apple certainly, you know, with uh, say the change to their new Maps app in iOS six, is trying to make themselves less reliant on Google in certain ways. We don't wonder why. Now,
0: let's look at the story behind MAPS, because more information is coming out. One, of course, based on what Steve Jobs said about going thermonuclear in the authorized biography by Walter Isaacson, the switch over to MAPS wasn't contemplated after Steve Jobs died. It's something he approved. He was already working on with his team before Tim Cook took over as CEO of the company. This is something that's gone on for a while. They acquired some mapping companies. They made all these arrangements. So is that fit in with your take of the situation.
1: This is Jobs' baby, no matter what. Well, it certainly makes sense, and it's entirely within Apple's personality to do this kind of thing, that Apple really does not like to be beholden to other companies. So... For instance, you can see with the iOS devices, they're using the you know, their own A chips, you know, the A4, A5, A6. And although they are using Intel chips in Macs right now, they jumped from the PowerPC chips to the Intel chips you know, really quickly when it became clear that they were a little too reliant on, they'd pick the wrong horse you know, after some time in the Motorola chips. It's something that makes entire sense that Apple would want to do this. Personally, I think they pushed it out a little too soon.
0: Now, the other thing, of course, is the story that one of the problems that Apple had with Google is Google wanted more branding so they can get more hits and stuff like that. Apple wanted turn-by-turn navigation,
1: yeah it's very difficult to suss out exactly what's going on there. I mean, obviously reports filter out here and there, but if, but the sources are never named, and you know they're you know close to the situation or you know sources within Google or something like that. so you never really know what the situation was. What did that contract? require Google to do? What did it require Apple to do? What did it allow each of them to do in terms of updating or not updating, that kind of thing?
0: Okay, regardless regardless of whether Apple had another year to go with Google, they released Maps, and I guess with the best of intentions. Do you think they were, as they say in Great Britain, gobsmacked (laughs) at the defects? Did they expect that? How could they not expect it? Because iOS 6 had been sent out to the developer community. It's been there for a little while, so therefore developers must have known, wait a minute, when I try to do this, well, this bridge is melting. On flyover view, instead of watching a bridge, it's like Earth versus the flying saucers where the flying saucers are shooting at the bridge, and it's melting.
1: The, from people I talked to who were you know, testing maps in, in the pre-releases of IOS 6, it was not uh, surprising that they were seeing problems. The charitable view is that the Apple executives, you know, they basically didn't realize just how troubled the Maps data could be in certain situations, you know, that, that it's possible that, that the developers were saying, hey, we're not ready, we're not ready, and they're saying, too bad, you're shipping. It's also possible that, uh, that they said, yeah, we know it's not ideal, but we're going to ship and uh, we'll we'll take our lumps and it's not you know we don't believe it's actually going to hurt iPhone sales and that's all we really care about
0: it might be the same situation when they came out with the iPhone 4 And they had to have known that if you held it in a certain way, it would reduce reception big time. They made a calculated risk. Well, we don't think it's so bad. But you see, the problem today is that Apple is under this huge microscope, this big electron microscope that examines everything. And with the tweets and the Twitter lifestyle, as soon as something goes wrong, it becomes viral. The slightest thing becomes viral and without going into detail, there's an article that Consumer Reports did reviewing Google Maps and Apple Maps. And Consumer Reports owes no love to Apple. They don't really do very well in general in reviewing Apple products. In this case, they were eminently fair, more favorable than you might think with Maps, and as a matter of fact, not as unfavorable, not nearly as unfavorable as some of the online commentary.
1: As I said, the Situation I mean it is absolutely true that anything Apple does will put under a microscope, but that is absolutely what should happen. Apple is the most valuable company in the world; they get no buys they get no absolutely no benefit of the doubt they have more money than anyone else if they 're putting out a bad product, they should be called on it. they should absolutely also be praised when they 're putting out a good product but they get much less of a chance to say well yeah we know we don't have all the resources we might want or whatever it is small companies yeah they can't do everything when you're apple and you don't do something well you better have a pretty damn good excuse and that's what i think they ran into with maps is they didn't have a good excuse i'm not saying this is easy but they're not you know they're not babes in the woods here They knew how to do this stuff, and they knew what was necessary. If they didn't know about accuracy issues, then that's a failure, and they should have known.
0: I think they knew. I think they miscalculated the fallout. I think
5: think it's a public relations
0: issue more than anything else, because obviously in a situation like that, as someone said, it is crowdsourcing. It is experience. It is data. It is having people work on the maps every day, and it's not as if once Apple announced maps, in june at the worldwide developers conference they could not release it what they should have done though was to put a beta label next to it i think they'd be forgiven if they did like siri not that everybody's forgiven with siri people are still suing apple because siri's not perfect it still has a beta label on apple's website i think if they put a beta label after map saying this is a beta we understand there are defects And we hope that those of you, in other words, public relations, those of you who use Maps will enjoy the new features and understand that occasionally it's going to be wrong. And if you send us a list of your problems, we'll fix it. As long as they came out in front of the problem at the beginning, just like, for example, I'll give you an example of this here. Back when OS X was first introduced, March of 2001, were you at that session? No, not that particular Okay, one. I was at that session. I sat behind Steve Jobs and Phil Schiller, as a matter of fact. They were in the first row. I was in the second row. So on stage, Jobs said, look, we have some features we don't have here yet. It's for early adopters and developers, 10.0. We'll be making it better. Stay with us. And this is the future of the Mac OS. This is the future of this show. Adam Inks joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live.
8: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio. Starts here.
10: absorption of food nutrients aids in controlling yeast infections is never freeze dried and uses three groups of live viable beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins order Pro EM one daily probiotic cleanse at terraganix.com spelled t e r a g a n i x.com terraganix.com or call toll free 866-369-3678 that's 866-369-3678
6: proem1 the raw probiotic You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: On the Tech Night Owl live, our friend Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. Okay. So here is what we're talking about Apple's MapGate. I use the word MapGate, by the way, ahead of everybody else who picked it up. A day after I used it, everybody else picked it up. I don't say that it's not crowdsourcing in the sense that we all came to the same conclusion, but, you know, there we go. Okay, here's what I suggested. If Apple had done this right, they would have put a beta label next to it. They would have said up front, we know that Maps is the future of mapping. It's wonderful, it's great, but this is still a work in progress. We have a few bugs. I think if they did that, this
1: fallout would not have occurred. Well, I'll go even further than that. I think they should have changed the name to IMAP. Ha, ha, ha. um, Uh, Another I? I, (laughs) Another another IMAP. For those who don't know, IMAP is a mail protocol as well. But nonetheless, they should have changed the name to IMAPs. And then they should have left the old maps on the device as well for some time. And they could have been very upfront about that, saying, hey, you're right. We've got this beta of our new iMaps product. We think it's really great, but you know, we don't want to throw people for a loop. If you are relying on maps and, and, and iMaps doesn't have what you want, you could still sh- jump back to maps. But we think it's going to be better. We think you're going to want to choose it when you're given an option. Plus, one of the things that they ended up doing that caused a great deal of consternation for some people was people had saved locations in maps and Apple just erased them in the upgrade to iOS 6. So that would have given people some chance to move things over, possibly a Apple could have helped with that at some point in an upgrade. So, so I think you're absolutely right. I think they did calculate this and basically calculated wrong that there would not be as much negative furor as there was. And, you know, for Tim Cook to have to issue a public apology means they biffed it. That was extreme.
0: When they have to go that far, you know that somewhere along the line, they really, really messed up. This is more of a mess than you might have expect when they have to do that. When the CEO has to say, folks, we're sorry. And by the way, he did it in a way that a lot of people approve, you know, where you show contrition, you seem sincere about what happened. But as I said, it's a colossal public relations miscalculation. It had been marketed right with or without keeping the previous version of maps available with or without. Yeah, If they had done it that way up front, it would have fared a lot better. Remember, for example, when Apple had problems when they changed iMovie. Remember, iMovie's changed. It's rewritten. They kept the older version available, the iMovie HD. So if you don't like the new one, which will get better, we keep the old version available. They forgot that with Final Cut Pro, where they changed everything in Final Cut Pro. It's a first version. It's like a 1.0 version with a lot of features not restored. And the video editing, professional video editing community working in Hollywood and other film capitals around the world said, we don't want this. What the heck are you doing? That was also a public relations debacle. And we kind of think here, you know, Apple's supposed to be um, numero uno with public relations,
1: but they're screwing up. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those things where you make a call, and it, and it can be hard to make the call because you don't know how bad the situation really is. There's no way to know just how people are going to react um, ahead of time. So perhaps, and that's what I'm saying there, they may not have realized just how people were going to be upset. But all that said, it feels to me, and, and we deal with this from, on the take control side of things, where, you know, say we have a sale. Um, And we immediately get email from someone who says, I just bought, you know, I just bought one of your books, you know, at full price, you you know, like an hour before you started the sale. We don't say, well, tough luck on you. We say, so sorry. Let us give you half your money back you know, or whatever, you know, whatever the sale price was, you know, that, and we put effort into trying to think about putting ourselves in the shoes of the user to say, what is it these people are going to feel like we did them wrong by if we do this? You know, how can we make sure that people feel like we're respecting them? And that's what I think Apple is not doing a very good job of these days. Remember when the first iPhone came out in
0: 2007, it was $599. Within a few weeks, it went down to 399 And those who bought the phone for the higher price complained. What are we doing here? We buy a new product, and a couple of months later, it's $200 less. So Steve Jobs says, well, that's the price of being an early adopter. But it didn't take long before Apple said, okay, we'll give you a $100 certificate, a credit certificate towards new Apple merchandise. I think they should have written a check for $200 for every one of those people. But yeah. it doesn't matter. The yep. product took Don't... off. I think Apple has traditionally... Had damage control problems i don 't know if it's hubris or what they extol a product as the greatest thing since sliced bread, and when things go wrong it 's hard for them to work out plan b yeah
1: no i I agree yeah. and and some most of the time they do an awfully good job of getting it right on the first try or certainly you know the very close to the first try so But you can't always do things perfectly every time. And, you know, with something like a mapping service, I think it is also absolutely worth acknowledging that this stuff is hard. You know, I mean, you want to talk about a big data problem with map stuff. I mean, if you go into the Maps app on an iPhone or uh, an iPad and you, you know, reveal the page curl, you know, tap in the lower lower right corner, there's a link where you can see it says map data from TomTom comma others. You can tap that link, and it'll show you a web page showing this incredible list of places where they've gotten the data for the Maps app. You know, it's, it's tens of sources of data, and just compiling all that and putting that into a system that can make sense of it you know, is an insane amount of work. And you have to think that it's actually probably more than
0: 99% correct, and then some. Oh, sure. Really. It's more than 99% correct. I mean, every route I've taken has been accurate with very minor glitches. I haven't gotten lost. And I should say an exception to that is the New York Times' David Pogue, our old friend David Pogue. David reports in one of his columns that he took a route somewhere... And he was going to go to some kind of lecture. He was late to the lecture because he ended up in the wrong place. Of course, I would have said, knowing it's a beta, David, why didn't you have a plan B or an alternate route just in case?
1: But Alternately, it's just a good story, but yes. <laughs> that may be part of it was just a good story. The thing that I would say, two things. One is that... First of all, you have to worry a little bit about trusting these things right off the bat. You know, that mapping, mapping data is one of those things that's traditionally been a little iffy and has gotten a lot better at these other sites and these other programs. Um, I never trust
0: map data. I always get a couple of routes. Yep. So, and for example, I'll use Google Maps on my Mac, and then I'll get MapQuest, and I'll look it over and see which one seems to make the most sense. Yeah. And then I have a car with a navigation system. I'll see what they come up
1: with. You can't depend on these things for being 100%. And, I, and the other thing I will say is, is that, you know, we have to be a little careful at, at, at praising the old Maps app, because regardless of what its data did or not, it was unusable for things like driving. You know, the way it did turn-by-turn turn directions, it didn't speak them, but it did have sort of have a screen for where it present them. It was so confusing as to be dangerous for the driver to actually pay attention to. So I've used Navigon for a number of years now as my kind of GPS app for one driving, and it's very good. That it does a really nice job, and that was what I was comparing to the Maps app. And a most recent thing, both Tony and I had are both our iPhones, and we had them both running. And it was mostly interesting how they chose to. <laughs> tell us information at different times or with different levels of completeness. So Navigon was better about saying at the T intersection, take a left, whereas Maps would just say, take a left. The precision
0: of the instructions in Maps is still a little bit flaky. And a lot of the routes I've taken are areas that I know about. So oh, and, I'm not confused. I know where the route is. So if there's some imprecision in the and, way that the description is given by Siri, it's okay. I understand it. But if you're new in an area and maybe you're a little shaky, a little bit uncertain about where you're going, and you're depending on maps to get you there, you may find yourself pretty much screwed up if you don't pay real attention.
1: And and it's also, I said, it's always worth realizing that this can be true of any of these kinds of things. Um, that you know. What I was focused on, you know, more when I was testing, you know, the the directions were similar. They were also quite simple. I mean, I wasn't going in difficult places. But the, you know, for instance, Navigon would alert you 0.2 miles before a turn, whereas maps would only alert you 0.5 miles before a turn.
11: Okay,
0: we understand the difference, and that can cause confusion.
1: Especially when you're driving at a fairly high rate of speed. (laughs) Right, and we don't want
0: to get into how fast Adam drives. (laughs) <laughs> He's joining us on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. Much more to come.
8: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
12: If you like cow's milk, you'll love camel milk. Yes, the newest, oldest thing in the world. Camel milk has sustained civilizations for thousands of years. Here's just one user's testimonial.
11: My lime-stricken boy developed severe allergies to nearly every food he ingested. At first, I was scared to death to try camel milk, but he had no allergic reactions of any kind. Nothing. The camel milk was wondrous in healing his GI issues, and it's the one thing I can attribute to his getting out of bed after almost a year spent there, too ill to... To do anything.
12: Camel milk is loaded with health benefits, far superior to other milk, is rich in B vitamins, and three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk. Ten times higher in iron. Camel milk comes fresher, frozen from your trusted local family farm. Humpback Dairies of Miller, Missouri. To order, call this number. 1417-848-7570. That's 1-417-848-7570. Call 1417-848-7570 for camel milk, the best kept health secret ever.
4: If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from freeze guy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most most reliable gravity fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866 404 3663 or go to freeze That's 866 404 3663 or freeze dry 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy.
6: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: With Adam Inks on the Tech Night Owl Live, he's from Tidbits and Take Control Books. We're talking about Mapgate. You know, was this a colossal failure on Apple's part or is the viral nature of information these days overwhelming Apple because even minor defects or totally silly defects are being overemphasized. And I'm so surprised because of the way Consumer Reports handled the review. I don't know if you read it or not, the Consumer Reports review of Apple's maps and Google Maps. And it seems to me that they took, for once, a pretty realistic view of the situation. You know, turn-by-turn navigation is pretty good. Some of the displays and points of interest aren't. And Google Maps is a more mature app. End of story. And it has transit directions. Well, that's true. But I gathered from the way Scott Forstall of Apple presented this back in June, they were leaving that as a third-party opportunity to sell their own apps because they are integrated.
1: Yeah, that seems to me a lame, lame excuse.
0: Or it says, (laughs) well, we haven't had time to get this done, so we'll let the third parties do it for now. But next year... They're yeah. gone. Yeah, because you know then, Apple's yeah. going to do that. Apple's not going to leave all that to a third-party app. It's possible they'll look at the different apps that are out there, maybe buy the
1: company. Yeah, I was going to say that I mean and, and you know and that's It's an audition, and, and, folks. One of those situations where you know you want to be if you're you're the you're one of those apps right now, you you know you've got yeah, you're looking down a gun barrel. So, because they're going to come in and do this. But but no, I mean again, we had transit apps, uh transit directions, and for people in cities, that's a big deal. And suddenly, you know, they're without these things. And this is, again, this is one of those sort of respect for the users situations where okay, you know, you're going to take these things out, but if you're like us, you know they're gone. If you read tidbits, you know they're gone. Even if you read the New York Times, you know they're gone. But with a hundred million users, do you want to bet about what percentage of people didn't know they were disappearing? and whom, Or who maybe don't use the Maps app every day, but have used the transit directions in the past and are suddenly going to be in a situation where they want them and, oh, they're not there anymore. You know, that's the kind of thing where those people are just up the creek. And, but and they will app- get a
0: link. You know, once they try to get those directions, they'll see a list
1: of but transit apps. But they don't have an app on their phone. and They're probably traveling. Who knows whether they have connectivity? I mean, one of the things that I think the reason why this is a big deal, as much as anything else, is that you are vulnerable when you rely on maps, you are in unfamiliar situations. You may be in dangerous situations. For whatever reason, you had been comfortable with what you had before. Whether or not it was more accurate or less accurate or, you know, had the right directions or anything like that, it was a known entity. And so, what Apple has done is tossed everything up in the air, but they've done so in a situation where you can really suffer If that doesn't work as well. You know, with Siri, if Siri doesn't work, who cares? You can just type into the silly phone. It's not a problem. But if Maps doesn't work and it used to, and you used to rely on it, you could be lost, you could be embarrassed, you could be frustrated. There's a whole lot of things that could, bad things that could happen to you. And that's the reason why I think it's a bigger deal, just as Similarly, the other thing we've been seeing with iOS 6, you know, mysterious cellular charges or battery drain problems, things that could put you in a situation where you don't have a resource that you've come to rely on because Apple has done such a good job of making the iPhone essential. Now, there's one thing about the cellular issue.
0: There was a fix to the carrier files or software for Verizon Wireless that supposedly addressed that seems to be cellular helpful. data being accessed over a Wi-Fi network and Verizon saying, look, we're not going to charge you
1: over fees for this or excess fees. What a concept. Someone screwed up. There's all these extra charges. We're just going to eliminate them. What a, you know, what a reasonable thing to do for a company in this situation. But we have we have other situations. We've got the Apple's podcasts app which we still don't believe is honoring its don't use cellular data button um, on all cases, and certainly until the most recent version didn't have that button so that it was hammering people's cellular, cellular plans. We have other people who are seeing up to gigabytes of data being transferred while the phone is plugged in and on standby at night. I mean, oh, come on, there's something going on there. You well, know? isn't that the lesson, which is,
0: don't rely on the first release of anything but i mean did, we know that when ios 5 came out there
1: were battery life problems but again the problem is is that apple just it's just a button it just asks you hey you want to do this yeah okay you click okay i mean it's not it's not presented like it is in the mac world where you have to get something and you you really want to prepare for it and you know that you're doing a making a bigger thing I don't think most iOS users realize in any way how significant it is to upgrade the operating system, or how much they're going to be changing. And th- and there's things like uh, the battery drain problems that that, uh, that I experienced. They were not a problem under iOS 5, and my data didn't change under iOS 6. It must have been something in iOS 6 that changed. And I was because I had the problem on one phone, restored to a new iPhone 5 problem crops up again right there. So clearly it's a data problem. You know, and so I went from having a phone that I could rely on to be working with me in my pocket all day long, no troubles, to a phone that was using 10 to 20% battery life every hour, such that if I didn't pay constant attention to it and charge it in the middle of the day, it would be dead by two or three o'clock. And you know, again, that's the kind of situation where that's a problem that affects trust because I've come to trust that phone to give me certain capabilities. And if those capabilities weren't there because its battery was dead, I could be at a, you know, on, a, you know, on a trip somewhere, suddenly my phone's dead. And did I you, ha- you didn't have this problem then with iOS 5? No, because I did. I had an iPhone
0: 4S with iOS 5, and the battery life sucked dry. I was getting less than half the battery life. Apple had two maintenance updates for iOS 5, And they fix the problem. Remember, there have also been reports of battery life problems with Mountain Lion, 10.8 Mountain Lion. And this has been documented by what Mac Observer had their own benchmarks, Ars Technica. Supposedly, the 10.8.1 and 10.8.2 updates in succession fix more and more of the problem but Apple never said a thing about it. Apple never acknowledged it. Unlike, I gather, with the iOS 5 problem, they did acknowledge some battery life issues.
1: Well, and I think there's a difference between a battery life issue that is somehow really baked into the operating system, and one in my case, I was able to trace it to corrupt Safari bookmarks, and by eliminating those bookmarks, which the only way to do that, that I was able to find in time, other people have come up with other other approaches that might have worked, was to actually set the phone up as a new phone. And once I had done that, such that I didn't have in those bookmarks, they weren't in iCloud, they weren't coming back down, then all was well. But that's a situation where, you know, somehow iOS 6 was more susceptible to this, and it kept trying to sync to iCloud and failing. I mean, it literally had hundreds of crash logs in my in my iPhone um, from the process that was trying to sync those bookmarks.
0: So, of course, it's also a situation here where you had probably a lot more bookmarks than many people, although I don't know. My wife on her iPad will normally and routinely add dozens and dozens of bookmarks to places that she wants to visit later. She's got hundreds of them. I can imagine if there was a bookmark corruption problem, we'd be susceptible to it, although, as you say, your bookmarks are a lot older
1: my bookmarks are old you know and is it i mean i wasn't you know in some sense i wasn't offended except for the fact that it hadn't been a problem under ios 5 so you know i mean if i mean if my bookmarks were so corrupt then wouldn't have we expected a problem under ios 5 maybe and, it takes
0: a couple of iterations you know we don't so, know was it a problem
1: of ios 6 or just it was your time no it was ios 6 okay because the iphone my iphone 4 Experienced the problem as soon as I upgraded to iOS six. As soon as my son um, re- restored his his when I gave it to him and he, he restored the his uh, his backup onto it, the, the problem went away. As soon as I, rest- you know, put it onto my iPhone five, the problem came back. As soon as the problem well, you know, as soon as I restored the phone, and set it up from scratch, the problem went away again. So it's you know it's pretty clearly you know an iOS six, a combination of iOS six and my specific bookmark set at that time, which I was even happy to blow away, but. Um, iOS six wouldn't let me. I couldn't delete. I couldn't delete the bookmarks from within iOS six. So it took you know strict measures to be able to get rid of them. And you know, as I said, problems happen. There's no question about that. But it is more significant that these problems are happening now that we're in a situation where these devices have become essential parts of our lives. And that's something I think we need to realize. It's not. Not that Mac problems are ever great, particularly for those of us who earn our living on our Macs. But you, you're, if your Mac crashes, you're you're not out, you know, in an unfamiliar place in a rental car somewhere trying to get to your hotel.
0: And the map directions failed because the thing crashed. We have Adam Inks joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
9: Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family. We simply cannot afford to get sick. The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. UtopiaSilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates... Then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit utopiasilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338.
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: With Adam being some take control books and tidbits, we're focusing... On the teething pains of iOS 6, punctuated by maps, of course, but also other problems. He had a problem with battery life because of apparently corrupted bookmarks in Safari. All sorts of things going on. And here's Apple's pressure. Maybe they're putting themselves under pressure, but maybe they have to because of the stay of the market. They've got to add 200 new features every year. They've got to release it on roughly an annual basis. Although, obviously, there was an exception between the iPhone 4 and 4S. And maybe that was the software, not the hardware. Who knows? Okay, so Apple has this great amount of pressure where they have to produce. And sure, you could hire more people to fix the problem.
1: But in the end, doesn't that create more of a climate for defects? Yeah, that's the mythical man-month problem. That you can't just throw more more developers at a problem and have have it solve them. I think what Apple is facing is this treadmill where they have a certain lead over android in terms of features and integration and all of that but as soon as they release something any kind of innovation they've come up with is you know frankly relatively easily replicated and so they need to be continually pushing the bar and you know and it works
0: both ways because we understand google is going to look at ios features and try to emulate them sometimes a little too close, and we're also going to see, for example, where Apple has to pick up features that were done better in Android and make them work in the iOS, and this is going to go back and forth, and they still have to do it within the limited confines of a mobile computing device. It's not as open-ended as a computer. A personal computer, if you don't get enough performance, you throw more RAM in there, maybe, if you don't have a MacBook Air. With an iPhone or an iPad, what do you do if the operating system is too
1: slow? Yep. This is also a little bit of the space shuttle problem, that consumer software, which, you know, is basically what we have inside our Macs and our iOS devices, and certainly the apps that we run, has tons of bugs. It's known to have tons of bugs. And not that the developers sort of want there to be bugs, but they, in some sense, don't care that much. And the reason why they don't care that much is it's more important that they get the software out and that it be cheap, because they have to sell it in this competitive marketplace, than that it be perfect. Whereas, say, the space shuttle has to be perfect, because if it not, it blows up and kills people. And so... It's a different engineering problem, and it takes a very long time to program if you want the program to be perfect. What I'm suggesting is is that we're hitting a little bit of that tension right now because these devices are closing in on, you know, space shuttle-level utility for our everyday lives, As we use them more and more and we rely on them more and more, having them fail for whatever reason will become more and more disruptive.
0: So we're in a situation here where, for example, as hard as Apple might try to come up with new features and make the software run faster, they have to basically double down on the bugs. Because when you get stuff like battery life going down the kazoo because of some really obscure bug that maybe they didn't even discover that... You know, that's another problem, too, with bug reports. If you've ever filed a bug report with Apple, you realize there's prioritizing going on. So maybe you have 200 bugs secure that week. And you look at the bugs. Will they cause a system to crash? Will they cause people to lose data? They prioritize the bugs, so there may be subtle things that are maybe number 400 on the list, but it affects you. So it's a
1: big bug. Yep, that's absolutely true. And I think the... The simple fact of the matter is that while you can't double down on developers, you can't necessarily just make more developers, testing and software quality assurance is one of those places where you can just throw more and more resources at it. And what you'll run into is that it may slow things down because they might actually find more bad bugs. And you might have to make some hard decisions about whether you're going to... You know, hold your release or ship with known bugs. But, you know, there's enough of these things that hit, you know, on all of these releases that I do really wonder where the priorities towards it for those resources are going within Apple.
0: So we have to see will Apple get the act together? The pressure is a thousand times higher than it was a few years ago. Every single bug, it's under the microscope, it's a viral problem. How does Apple solve it? And that's the big job, job number one for the next five years is how does Apple deal with this accelerated growth with all this attention, with the pressure of having to come up with a new OS every year with 200 more features? When do they run out of features, and when does it become just plain ridiculous?
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's definitely an interesting question of, you know, when you look at the evolution of the smartphone, you know, in in the... I, I think it's actually in some ways good that Apple came up with a smartphone because when you look at the evolution of the computer, you can see that, well, you know, it's getting really hard to come up with new features for Macs. And, you know, and Windows is changing radically with Windows 8, but yeah, it'll still be backward compatible with everything because it has to be. And all those, you know, computers are really, really mature at this point. And so Apple, you know, by, by switching to smartphones and the tablet markets, you know, sort of got, you know, to restart that that process. But it's the same thing. You're going to get to a point where it's a mature product and there's not that much to do.
0: Well, they're back to adding 200 new features every year in OS 10. When does that end? Yeah. Well, so was- how long is that going to go on? Because now people are going to expect it. Look, we got lion. The next year we had mountain lion and the following year we have, who's a, what's it? I'm mm-hmm. running out of cats. I'm trying to think what cats. Yeah. yeah. Bob Levitas said we should have Bobcat.
1: Yeah, sure he would. <laughs> Bob Levitis cat, for instance. But the uh, yeah, I mean the problem is they've gone to the pretty big cats, and you know, going down to say a serval or you know, the bobcat. You know, they're they're cool cats and everything, but they're kind of little. So well, they can have Mac OS ten point
0: nine Siamese <laughs> tabby. <laughs> oh, forget it. Hey, let's move to another subject for this in the next segment. Okay obviously there are growing reports that there's going to be an ipad mini ipad nano whatever a smaller version of the ipad there's a published report that says production started last month the wall street journal no less than the wall street journal which is owned by rupert murdoch take it or leave it for that says that apple is going to announce an ipad mini let me preface this as a lot more okay i'm going to go on long-winded Meantime, there's a new article up from Dan Morin, a friend of ours from Macworld Magazine. He's the big news guy over there. He says, iPad mini now may not be the time he's going to throw cold water over the prospect.
1: Mm. What does Adam Inc say? I actually don't have huge opinions. And you know why? Because I think that we spend a great deal of time speculating about topics that have absolutely no utility to our current lives. In other words, the only person who should be thinking, oh, gee, I really care about the possibility of an iPad mini, is the person who is right now trying to think, should I buy an iPad? Because that's the person who has something to think about, uh, Yeah, but not just that. What about the person who looks for a smaller tablet because the
0: existing iPad is perceived as too large, too heavy? They want something for reading, to look at movies, whatever. They're not really in as much in productivity. So they're looking for a tablet. They'll also look at the Kindle Fire. They'll look at the Nexus 7 from Google. They'll look at the Barnes & Noble Nook. Is there a compelling reason for Apple to be in that space?
1: But but I think my point is is that we're talking so little time if these you know wall street journal kind of reports are true then just sit back and wait it's a little it's a little like um you know speculating heavily on you know on what color hair some baby is going to have well just wait a few months until it's born you know that that we 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 just cycle on these things we just spin on them and I think it's just a waste of time. A lot of the point, Apple will either release it or not, and they will release it if they're going to release it. They're gonna it will be on a certain t- date and time, and until then, everything is guesswork. Maybe it's based on sources, maybe it's speculation, maybe it's not, and so we put so much effort into. Something where we actually have no knowledge.
0: We have knowledge about this coming up on the Tech Night Owl Live. Neighbors, you've seen all those crazy wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1. S-E-E-N number one. Scene one Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code seen Scene one to save...
3: Paul states, it's what every American needs to know about central bank power, a gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237.
12: Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can. At BigBurkeyWaterFilters.com, Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable Wise Foods are both now available on one website, BigBurkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise Foods, ready-to-eat meals, are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with Wise Foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY That's
13: 877-99-BERKEY or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay, and after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
7: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at Tech. That's news at TechNightOwl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at TechNightOwl.com slash radio. That's TechNightOwl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have
0: adamings of tidbits and take control books. We're speculating, or at least saying why we should even speculate, wondering why the conversation is worth anything, whether Apple has reason to produce a smaller iPad and whether or not it's going to come out and what the benefit of it is to customers, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's like playing inside baseball. We worry about how many units Amazon's going to sell, the Kindle, <laughs> how many Nooks are going to sell, what's going to happen with Google. But you know what? If I buy an iPad and I use it, what does it matter what they sell? It's not affecting me unless I'm a
1: stockholder in one of those companies. And even then, it doesn't really affect you necessarily. It might if it affects the stock price. The issue here is that you have to decide what are you trying to get out of this stuff. Whenever you're buying technology, you have to be buying what's available now or is likely to be available in the very near future, because you can always wait for something to be better. Would I buy, you know, I don't know, an iMac right now? No, probably not. No, well, iMac hasn't been revved in a long time. Seems likely that Apple will, will will keep that product going forward. It's probably worth waiting, you know, a month or two to see if anything changes. And, you know, certainly there have been plenty of rumors about the iPad Mini. I'd probably, personally, if I was in this interest in that space, I'd wait until end of October or so. Basically, there's a certain point in time where it has to be available for the holiday season or it's not worth it for the company, and then they'd wait. So, I'd wait until then and make my decision then. End of story. But the fact is, as an iPad mini, if such a thing exists, you can bet it's going to be exactly what you expect. It's going to be I want to call it a large ipod touch or a small ipad you know it's going to have cameras it's going to have the screen it's going to run ios all the apps are going to either be shrunk down or they'll be boxed in some way you know It's not hard to anticipate what this is going to be like. Apple is not going to come out with something that works radically differently.
0: I think the only argument will be the only concern be what will the price be compared to the competition? That's obviously some sort of measure of interest. Now, when it came to the iPhone 5, you have to look at that too. Everything about the iPhone 5, 98% of what it looked like, what features were on it, it was known before the product came out because all the rumors were out there. Whether Apple feeds them or not, we knew before they had that event what the iphone 5 would be like and now based on what we know now if we care about the possibility of an ipad mini we know what it's going to be like we know what it's going to look like maybe we'll be surprised at the price or maybe not i
1: don't think we'll be surprised at the price you can tell what the price is going to be because you can see how the ipod touch and the ipad are priced it's going to have to be between them in some way shape or form that's as simple as that and less simple because you've got a 32 gigabyte iPod Touch for
0: 299 and iPad 2 for 399 Now, that's possible that Apple is going to take the prices of the fifth generation iPod Touches and change them radically when this iPad mini comes in. Because if it's 349 people are going to say, it's 7.85 inches. It's a bit bigger than the $200 Kindle Fire. Why am I paying so much more? yeah
1: regardless the i mean you know particularly with the nook and the fire and all of that, all the prices are clustered in a particular area, and Apple is seldom the cheapest, so they probably won 't be trying to to compete you know on price, um, but sometimes they take their economies of scale, set a price point that is cheaper than everyone else right now, and then hold it because They are willing to take, you know, sort of to either lose money or make less money early on, knowing that they're not going to drop their prices. I mean, if you look at most of their iOS device prices, they don't change. They just come out with a new model that has more features at the same price.
0: And Apple's economy of scale means that, for example, maybe Amazon is going to pay $200 to sell a $200 Nook, but Apple could possibly produce a $249 iPad mini and pay 149 for it because the economies have scaled, because they have their own custom processes and fabrications. They do things that actually let them produce those products cheaper. They know they're going to sell more copies, therefore they make more money.
1: Yeah, and Amazon... Amazon has actually has has done this somewhat with the Kindles where they've dropped the prices over time, presumably as their costs go down, and Apple tends not to do that. Apple tends to leave prices the same and make more money until at some point they rev the unit and put you know put more technology into it, at which point their margins have more trouble again until they've you know amortized the cost of that technology over time so you know it's again the specifics in my mind almost don't matter that much. You know, what the, you know what the range is going to be, roughly speaking. You know exactly what it's going to be like because Apple isn't going to come out with, you know, something that does, that works entirely via voice recognition and levitates. You know, that's not happening. Well, maybe 20 years from now. By the way, before <laughs> we let you go, I want to read
0: a paragraph here. And this is something that's been posted online. And it quotes a paragraph... From something that Steve Jobs said in 1983. (laughs) Well, I'm sure he's going to be held to
1: this.
0: (laughs) Okay. This is 1983. Apple's strategy is really simple. What we want to do is we want to put an incredibly great computer in a book that you can carry around with you and learn how to use in 20 minutes. That's what we want to do, and we want to do it this decade, and we really want to do it with a radio link in it so you don't have to hook up to anything, and you're in communication with all of these larger databases and other computers. Now, the iPad didn't come out until 2010, the iPhone 2007, so he's a little bit early with his time. It's not a computer in a book except that it is the size of a book, the iPad, a large book, a large trade paperback, a little bit larger. It is also a place where you could read books, you can carry around with you, you can learn to use in 20 minutes, and it connects to data wirelessly. He was saying this in 1983, four years before they were using tablet computers on Star Trek Next Generation.
1: So two thoughts about that. One is, I would be very interested to see if what the dates on Alan Kay's Dynabook project were. Alan Kay was an Apple Fellow. He'd been at Park, and he did a lot of work in this field. Very, very early stuff. And I'm willing to bet that the Dynabook stuff predates that that quote. Actually, in the 1970s. So, the. It's, and so it's, it's
0: very likely then, of course, if we're going to look through history, that when Steve Jobs mentioned this computer in a book, he was channeling what that guy had thought about 10 years earlier.
1: And so, the, the other thing that, um, that I would say is that we, we did a, um, a short article about this recently, or, you know, I don't know, a couple months ago. There was a research, there was a, a survey done for a government agency talking about sort of the future of the internet. And they hit a lot of the stuff well, but one of the things they never really figured out was that it was going to be decentralized. And so, I think, I wonder if that would be interesting to look at that quote in that context as well. Where do we find more of your stuff? At tidbits.com or all of our ebooks about iOS and Mountain Lion at takecontrolbooks.com. And you learn how those things
0: are used and as Apple makes updates as they do, the nice thing about these ebooks is that they are updated too. You don't have to buy a brand new book. Isn't that great?
2: <laughs>
0: I love yep. that, you know, just constantly updating books. You know, just update in the background. So one day you work up uh, you wake up one morning and page 10 is page 49. You know, freak yourself out. I'm kidding. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out live.
1: Thanks for having me, Gene.
8: The GCN Radio Network providing the world with hard hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio starts here.
5: Who? wants to be disease free full of energy and vibrant health two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low how does acid enter your body a cup of coffee a sandwich tap water stress and cell phones plus your own body produces acid on a regular basis AlkaVision plasma pH drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level they promote more oxygen in your system higher energy potential and many other documented health benefits and studies show viruses bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at Alcovision.com. spelled A-L-K-A, vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH drops from AlkaVision.com. You store
4: guns, ammo, and food and water. But do you store peace of mind when it comes to your firearms? Now you can with Duracoat. The last thing anyone needs is a firearm that won't work when you need it most. Improve the factory finish and Duracoat your firearms once for a lifetime of protection against rust and corrosion. And Duracoat also protects against water, salt water, mud, grime, or whatever nature throws at you. The Duracoat Shake and Spray Finishing Kit has everything you need to finish a complete firearm for just $34.95. No need for an airbrush or other spray equipment, just degrease, then spray on Duracoat and let dry for a lifetime of protection. Duracoat is the simplest and most user friendly firearm finish you can buy. Use Duracoat on knives, camping equipment, or anything metal, plastic, or wood you want to protect from the elements. Call 800 830 6677 or visit Spelled Duracoat.net. Spelled D U R A C O A T.net. Duracoat, the finest firearm finish on the planet.
14: Iodine protection packs from hempusa.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with micro plant powder. Visit us at hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608 today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live
6: with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: This segment is brought to you by Crush FTP. Now, Crush FTP is what they call an FTP file server, and it runs great on Macs, including Mountain Lion, on Windows. Also, it runs on Linux, and you run your own file server. You can run it in the cloud or hosted on your computer. And this way, it lets your customers drag and drop the files they need to upload or retrieve from a web client. So if they're using Internet Explorer on Windows, Safari, or Chrome on the Mac, whatever, they can use drag and drop to upload files, multiple files. Prices start at $40. Go to CrushFTP.com. CrushFTP.com. Direct from his palatial, tiny bedroom apartment in France, we have Kirk McElhurt. And he's joining us to provide a reality check on a lot of subjects. And I'm going to ask you one silly question here. Now, we know for those of you who had Mobile Me, there was a peculiar error that Apple made, talking about peculiar errors. And in this particular case, we had 20 gigabytes of free storage in iCloud if you were a MobileMe member. Unfortunately, I didn't get it because my MobileMe account and my iCloud account use different Apple IDs.
15: Ah, that's a shame. Yeah, well, and there's no way you can move it, you know. Right. You can't combine, you can't merge IDs, yeah.
0: Okay, the movement is verboten, if you get my drift.
15: And therefore, I didn't bother.
0: You know, I'm not using that much iCloud storage anyway. However, they made a mistake where some people got
15: an extra 20 gigabytes through 2050. What happened? If this is a mistake, it's a mistake they can fix. What I'm surprised is, I mean, everyone I know who who was a Mobile Me user, including myself, has that. I'm looking at my options now, and it says that my current plan will end on September 30th, 2050. On the day that we're recording this, we're several days after. September 30th, which is the last day that we were supposed to have this additional 20 gigs of space, and Apple still hasn't said anything about this. Now, there's two possibilities. The most likely one is that it's a bug. They should have said something. It's been several days. The other possibility is that they've decided to give people this free space forever because they were Mobile meme members. Now, that, that would kind of surprise me. You're selling space the people who weren't mobile me members and they're paying what is it 40 bucks a year for that 20 gigs of space and for the other ones no matter how long they had been mobile me members which in my case was a very long time since the beginning but you know some people could have been just a couple of months you're not going to give it to them for for 40 years i it's the kind of mistake that's like they've got to be aware of this because a lot of websites and blogs have talked about it but they haven't come out and said anything or done anything i don't understand well it just might be a glitch that applies to some people, or is it everyone? You know, I've seen so many people talking about it. I can only assume that it's everyone. However, until you ask everyone, you can't prove it, right? So,
0: well, the it, thing that makes it worse is when I look at my MobileMe account, it specifies it as kind of a secondary iCloud account, so it doesn't identify any particular amount of storage. Okay. So I don't know. Besides which, I don't need it. I'm not using it. it doesn't matter. Point is here: if Apple's going to do this storage thing, just fix it they still refuse to talk about the conundrum of the multiple Apple IDs. It's something that's just not on their radar. You know, we're worrying about maps because 3D landmarks might be melting.
15: Uh, I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column for Macworld, and... I get hundreds of emails from people who use iTunes. One of the most common questions is, can I change my Apple ID or can I merge an Apple ID? Say two people get married. They each had Apple IDs. They want to share the same one. It makes things a lot easier when you're sharing an account to download things and you don't need to flip back and forth from one account to the other. On the other hand, there are people that want to split accounts because they've had an account with their kids and now their kids want an account on their own, but they don't, want to lose what they've had access to. My, my son and I still share an iTunes account because in the beginning, you know, there was no point in him having his own account. And we've just kept it that way because in many ways it makes sense. Whatever apps he buys, I use and and so on. Of course, it comes out of my money. Um, so he's happy. But in some ways it would be better if we could split it so he could have his own iTunes match account and I could have my own. We're currently just using one, which is his account and his music, but I might want to use my own as well. So it's a complicated thing, the whole Apple ID thing. And the real problem, the real reason that Apple isn't offering a solution is because this is all about DRM. This is all about the copyright holders of content. So let's say that you have bought a movie. If you can transfer that to another Apple ID, or merge an Apple ID that gets access to this, then the copyright holders aren't going to be happy about it. Why would the copyright holders care if it's the same person? Well, it might not be. It might be two people who then end up using the same Apple ID, which you can use anyway. You can just enter a different Apple ID on your computer. Yes, but what if they're in the same household? You know, as you say, two people live together, two people get
0: married. Right. And it doesn't matter. The point is here, it's a single household. And because
15: it's a single household, in theory, you should be able to use the same right, but music to, license. You've got to come check and see if you're sleeping in the same bed or if you are... <laughs> yeah, you've got to check and make sure that. Or if your neighbors or if you're two friends that live on you know, the other side of town from each other. So there's a lot of room for abuse here. You could give out your Apple ID to a bunch of people. You're obviously limited to the number of devices that can use that Apple ID, but still, there's room for abuse. You, You don't want someone giving out an Apple ID in a dorm where everyone can eventually, you know, get access to the same content. You know, it's one of the biggest problems about digital content is the fact that all these restrictions make things hard. I've gotten emails from people who said to me, what can I do when I die to make sure that my children can have my iTunes collection? And there's no way that you can transfer an Apple ID from one person to another. What I respond is just give your children your your Apple ID and password.
0: Yes, but I think at least Apple should allow a single person who can demonstrate he is that person, no other person, the right to merge their Apple IDs. The gray areas I understand are difficult, but there's no gray area in one person having multiple Apple IDs that they want to combine. Well, why would you have multiple Apple IDs? Now, I'll give you a very simple reason. I forgot my Apple ID. I create another one. I don't remember that I ever had an Apple ID, so I make another one. This happens more than you might expect. I'll go to somebody's house to help them with their computer. Not so much because the I'm out of business as a consultant for the most part, because the Genius Bar is free. But, you know, I still visit people occasionally, and I get this question, and we might be setting up a new machine, and it asks for the Apple ID, and I said, okay, what's your Apple ID? I don't know. It's not written down anywhere. I forgot. I'll create another one. It right. is very common for that to happen. I know more than a few people that okay. confront that dilemma. I'm not Did- one of them, except that my mobile me account was created not to become an iCloud account, but as a unique email address. But my right. Apple ID has always been something else, right. and I should have the right to combine them. And yeah. as I said, if you're the same person, you have the right to combine your Apple IDs as long as you meet whatever requirements Apple might make for that Apple ID.
15: But the question is, how do you prove it? Personally, the only reason I would have a second one is if I needed to create a second one for testing something.
0: Yes, but you see, you're speaking as a power user. You're not the kind of person who might just have a second Apple ID because they forgot. They didn't think about it. And there has to be room for compromise here. I'm trying to find a compromise and obviously there is not one unless the music industry and the movie industry can be made to realize the reality. Well, the reality is that people may have multiple names, but it's the same person.
15: It's not so much the music industry anymore because all of the music sold on iTunes is without DRM. It's more uh, the
0: movie industry, which still lives in the 18th century, even though motion pictures were not created until the late 19th century. But they didn't get the demo.
15: It's It's the movie studios. It's the TV networks. Sure. And it's create apps. Don't forget that apps are basically encrypted with your Apple ID, so you can't give someone a copy. So you've got – and books, you know, so you've got more and more types of content, and you've got a lot of stakeholders who aren't very happy with the possibility that these things to be copied. I'll tell you what, we're going to put a stake in this segment, okay?
0: Once again, this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by Crush FTP. Run your own FTP server on your own computer or run it in the cloud on a hosted virtual machine. Learn more at crushftp.com. Crushftp.com. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
8: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
16: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack, of the Rockoids. The The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack, of the the Rockoids. Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack. Attack Attack of the Rockoid, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
17: We take a lot for granted. Lights, water, even food we eat. But what if these things went away? Would you know how to protect your family in a natural or man-made disaster? Would you know how to survive? When disaster hits, power and water are gone, and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves. You and your family may be waiting in long lines for help. Don't be helpless. Learn the secrets to survival at 123survivalplan.com. Do you know the 37 crucial food items you can't live without? Many people don't have these food items. Learn what you need to hoard at 123survivalplan.com survivalplancom Recently, over 1 million people have viewed the video at 123survivalplan.com. These survival secrets are vital. The government suggests we maintain an emergency supply of food and water. But do you know the 37 food items that will fly off grocery shelves or a simple way to treat unsafe drinking water? This information is critical. Find it now on 123survivalplan.com. Don't take your family's safety for granted. Visit 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com.
6: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. The dilemma
0: of multiple Apple IDs. We're debating the problems, the fact that the entertainment industry, particularly movies and TV networks, may not like the idea that you can buy an Apple ID. Even if somehow you can prove it's the same credit card, the same social security number, if they take that, no matter what you do to prove that you're the same person, there's still the gray area that you're giving it out to somebody in your dormitory. All right. We'll just have to pass that by unless Apple figures it out. I got the impression, though, when Tim Cook was quoted in email to someone
15: that Apple was looking for a solution. Well, they certainly might be looking for it, but again, they have to please all these stakeholders who are concerned about their copyrighted content. Apple might, on their end, say, hey, we'd love to be able to do this. You know, you give us the proof and boom, you merge them. But they might not be able to get the approval from the people who own the content behind it. There you go again. Okay. If you remember Steve Jobs said that he wanted to sell music without DRM for a long time, and it took a while to get the music industry to accept it. It actually took more than a while. It took a couple of lawsuits, notably in Europe, about interoperability to get the music industry to accept it.
0: So it happened not because of Steve Jobs. It happened because the regulators went after them.
15: Yeah, and I don't see the regulators going after getting into something about you know, merging Apple IDs. But as long as we're on the subject of iCloud, I think there's another thing that's kind of interesting. So so iCloud sort of came into its own when Mountain Lion came out, even though it existed a little bit before that. People who had MobileMe had this 25 gigabytes of storage, which is a lot of storage. But now they only have five gigabytes unless they want to pay for it. Now, a number of people have raised the question, is five gigabytes really enough? Shouldn't it be five gigabytes per device instead of five gigabytes per account? you know, let's assume you've got a desktop Mac and a laptop and an iPhone and an iPad. Well, you might want to be backing up your iPhone and your iPad. And either one of those, if you have a lot of photos, they could fill up your five gigabytes.
0: But isn't there a sense of shared content that If you have five Apple devices, a certain part of that content is the same. Maybe your bookmarks are the same. Your email accounts are the same. Maybe your photos are the same. Not necessarily, but possibly.
15: The photos and videos are the things that take up space. Your bookmarks, they take up 100K or 200K. All of your settings take up, you know, less than a megabyte. The real issue is the content that you create, which is basically videos and photos, Audio, if you make voice memos, that would also fill up a lot of space. But while some of this is shared content, it's really not that shared after all. Um, I just finished an article for Macworld about iCloud, which is going to be published this week. And one thing I point out is that let's say you create a document in TextEdit and you save it in iCloud. Well, you can access this document in text edit on another Mac if your iCloud account is there, but you can't access this on your iPhone or your iPad because there's no text edit for the iPhone or iPad. If you make a pages document, you can access it with pages on the iPad because there is an iOS version, but The only way that you actually get full access to your documents is if using exactly the same app. It's not like a Dropbox folder where you've got a shared space where you can put documents and access them with other applications. So depending on the kind of work you do and the kind of documents you make and how many documents you want to store on iCloud, you could easily fill up that space and not be able to share that space the way you really want to. Okay,
0: obviously Apple's dilemma here is if they start making it 10 gigabytes, say. Suddenly they have to expect twice the amount of storage being used before people pay for it. So they have to make sure that they have enough storage, free storage, to make this worthwhile. And I understand right now iCloud is still a work in progress. They still have email outages. They still have problems. So I agree with you. There is good reason for Apple to give you more storage. But Apple might be conservative about that, conservative about that because of the fact that they have to see that their servers can handle the additional capacity. They're expanding servers. I guess they have the one in North Carolina. They're building another one somewhere else. Obviously, they're considering the fact that ultimately a lot more services will be added. But it may be a conservative move for that reason or just a conservative move that's too conservative, one that they should reconsider. We'll have to see where Apple takes it. Let's move on to ios 6 iphone and accessory issues you have a review of the new apple earphones which are called earpods earpods yeah right now understand something here apple has been supplying basically with very little change the same earbuds or earphones since the day of the first ipod which is now 11 years ago the same model. You know, it doesn't sound any different. Maybe there are changes, running changes, production changes. It sounds the same, the same technology. So now they come out with earbuds, which supposedly fit your ears better. And one of the promises, which other reviews have indicated is true, is superior bass. This is one of the talking points that Apple's giving us. But you tried it. Tell us about your experience, but you weren't able to confirm the existence of enhanced bass. What happened?
15: Well, I would say there was certainly a little bit more bass than with the previous earbuds, but this is nothing compared to even the, my, my sort of active headphone as a Sennheiser PX100-2i, a very poorly named light headset. I think it runs about $40. And this is an extraordinary headset for the money. And the difference in bass is just shocking now, obviously these are on this is an on ear headset um, it 's not a, an earbud or an in ear or an over ear um, if people understand all the differences and it 's got a larger transducer but the difference in bass is just shocking. I expected much more after the reviews I had read of these earpods. Um, for me, the bass was pretty much non-existent. If it was a tiny bit better than the previous earbuds, okay. Um, on top of that, the, even the mid-range was very, very weak. Now, I have a suspicion here
0: that obviously these products can't fit every ear. I mean, I've tried certain in-ear headsets, earpods, earbuds, whatever. I've tried a few, and they didn't work. I did not hear decent sound on them. The quality was poor. And may very well be that Kirk McElhern, for whatever reason, isn't built to the model that Apple uses. Yes, they're trying to make it more flexible for more people to be able to wear the things without them falling out, to wear them comfortably. But you just might be constructed differently, if you consider that. That's why you don't hear the bass that other people hear.
15: What I'm wondering is... is now, if you look at the way the earpods are built, they're directional. Um, the previous earbuds were basically flat. They would send the music against your ears, which would then reflect and go into your canals. These are directional, and they're sort of pointed towards your ear canals. Now, it's very possible that the way my ears are, um, the bass doesn't get to the canals. In other words, these aren't in... There are two types of earbuds: in-ear and ear canal. The ear, the in-canal, are the ones with the little silicone tips that you actually press into your ear canal, and it makes a seal. Now, those you're generally going to get much better bass because the sound isn't reflecting off anything; it's basically being directed toward your toward your eardrum, for better and for worse. Um, You know, you'll get better sound, but it's a lot louder, and you could damage your ears. With these new ones, the pods, they're trying to duplicate that and have some something that's directional toward the ear canal. Now, perhaps the way my ears are shaped, um, the things aren't pointing toward my ear canals. They're pointing someplace else, and the reflection of the sound isn't going in the right direction.
0: Now, let me ask you a question here. Is there anybody amongst your circle of friends? And I won't suggest your son because possibly his ears are constructed the same way as yours. I don't know. I don't pretend to know. Maybe it's more like his mother. But if not your son, someone else to try these Earpods to see if they're getting a better sound.
15: No, you mean the same ones that I have to see if there's something wrong with the ones that... No, I mean, take the ones you have and give it to somebody else who is reasonably
0: conversant on audio matters, has, you know, a, an opinion you respect, and say, you tell me if there's decent bass from this.
15: I'll have to do that. I didn't think of doing that, but it's a good point because maybe mine just have a problem with them and there's not enough bass. It may be your ears. It may be the product. Right. How do you know? You know, it might be worth
0: going. What you see? Do you have an Apple store near you that you can go to and test it out? You're kidding, right? Okay, you answered my question. It's a long trip to Paris, obviously.
15: It would be a few hours drive to get to an Apple store. So no, that's that's not in the cards. Uh, but no, but you have a good point. It could be that the the particular model. There's something wrong with it. In in any case, I'm. I'm not an earbud person. I was for a long time, and, and I actually found that the older earbuds did stay in my ears quite well. Um, these new ones don't. You know, everyone is asymmetrical. You've got one ear that's bigger than the other. And in my case, it sits very well in my right ear, but in the left ear it doesn't. And since these things are directional, the fact that it doesn't sit right means that it sounds like the balance is off. I'll tell you what. We'll get into more of this the ear pods, the earbuds, the problems that
0: Kirk's having, and whether he should get an ear transplant. I'm kidding. Okay, I suppose this discussion about ears is getting quite ridiculous. It's not ridiculous, though, to remind you, though, if you want to contact us on Twitter. We are known as Tech Night Owl. Once again, we are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. I'm Gene Steinberger and the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
18: Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843.
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: Now, I haven't had a chance to try Apple's EarPods yet, so I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about what you hear or don't hear. It could be a defective set. It could be your ears are just not built in the way that Apple allowed for. They can only allow for so many different types of ears, as good as they might be, and you are the exception. But it would be worthwhile to have someone else test it, one, to determine if it's defective, number two, to determine if someone with different anatomy, different construction with their ears can hear superior bass or not.
15: Yeah. I, I, I have to admit that once I bought these Sennheiser PX100s, an earlier model, about five years ago, um, I instantly realized that, for me, the earbud revolution had failed. The difference in quality of a headset like this, and again, it's not expensive. It, it's only 40 or $50. Um, and, you know, that's what you'll pay for a better pair of earbuds as well. But the difference is just, it's night and day. First of all, you don't have to worry about them sitting into your ears correctly. It's a headphone. It goes over your ears. You put them there. They generally stay in position. Second of all, the sound quality, This this particular headset is recognized as being one of the, having one of the best sound qualities of, you know, headsets in that price range. And I think it might have even been Dan Frakes at Macworld who had reviewed them years ago and maybe recommended them to me. And and that's why I bought them. So I think if, if you really want to listen to music, you're much better off getting a headset even an inexpensive one that you cannot worry about when you're outdoors you know you you see that what is it the bauer and wilkins p5 i think it's three hundred dollars and it's leather and aluminum you're not going to wear that when you're outside you're not going to wear that in the gym you get something like this it's 40 50 bucks um it even has an inline mic and and remote so it can control your ipod and you can you know use it when you're on your iphone um earbuds for me just don't cut it but you know for some people they do and more power to them
0: now let me tell you as someone who has been in radio off and on for several decades obviously in the early days i always had the headset on all right traditional headsets i have a grado headset which is you know grado is that very famous brooklyn-based company that builds headsets and funnel cartridges for yep. traditional record players really great sound i have a couple of Bose quiet comforts here i'll tell you something even when i do the radio show I am not comfortable with any kind of headset, earbud, earpod, whatever. Don't like them, which is why I don't listen to music on the outside unless it plays through my car.
15: So no matter what they do. But it's because you wear, you're so used to wearing them so much that for you, it's like wearing headphones is working. So it's a different context.
0: But I don't use them when I work anymore. I Sometimes I have, but right now I'm using live speakers with you relying Ah, on duplexing from Skype. I'm relying on duplexing from Skype to take care of that so there's not much spillover.
15: I always thought that you used a headset. Okay. Right. Now you know the rest of the story.
0: No, I just use a standard analog digital mic, which is not that standard, through an analog mixer going into my computer, but I do not use any kind of headset. My ears are open to the world. Maybe it's paranoia. You know, if I feel if I'm closed in I'm claustrophobic.
15: Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I, I generally prefer listening to music on a stereo, um, but I do like listening on headphones. I mean, I use headphones when I listen to music or when I go walking, when I listen to podcasts, when I walk. Um, and every once in a while, there's an album that I'll want to listen to on headphones because it, some records just sound better on headphones. Um, it's a different
0: understand. kind of stereo effect. And part of the reason is that when you listen to loudspeakers, a lot of what you hear is reflective. Sometimes it's built into the speaker system. Sometimes it's just because it bounces off walls and ceilings and floors. Of course. You're hearing a lot of reflected sound. On headphones, whatever generation, ear pods, whatever, when you get the headset on, you're listening to direct sound. Now, certainly designers will compensate for that and sometimes will give you some kind of reflected effect. But what you're hearing is going to be
12: different.
15: And not only is it going to be different, but the positioning of instruments is much more exaggerated. Um, if you're generally sitting in front of stereo speakers, let's say that they're separated about 30 degrees from you, so the, the instrument the furthest to the left is is 15 degrees from your center, but when you're listening on the headphones, it could sound like it's 90 degrees from your center. Depending on the mix, it can sound very strange. I, and I was recently listening to, um, I'm a big fan of Brad Meldow, a jazz piano pianist on his live recordings they generally record them as though the microphone is sitting on the stage so the piano is way off to the left the drums way off to the right and the bass in the center in his studio recordings the, the drums go across the soundscape the piano is much more centered and the bass is as well and you don't get that same feeling so if i'm listening to a live recording like that on a headphone i don't like it if i'm listening to one of his studio recordings i like it
0: Alright, well of course there's so many different kinds of recordings, so many different kinds of preferences from recording engineers. How do you know? You like what you like. There you go. You have the iPhone five. Let's take a look at it. Yes, you know, let's. Virtually uh, speaking, the iPhone five now navigating through the extra row of icons because of the four inch screens to have three and a half inch screen, screen. Any more difficult for your hands? You have normal sized hands,
15: right? I have very big hands actually. Okay, so Um, you're like the
0: basketball player type.
15: Not quite, but I think I can do um, like an octave and a third on a piano from my thumb to my little finger. I don't know if that means anything to you, but an octave is, you know, one C to the next C. It's a certain distance. Um, You know, I can go pretty far. So when I'm, I'm holding the iPhone in my hand, I find even with a relatively big hands and long fingers, I find that it's just, I have to stretch a little bit to get to those icons up in the top far corner. I'm holding on my right hand. So to get to the top left corner, I have to stretch a little bit. Okay. Even though the commercials show something else. Well, they show someone with a huge hand, obviously. What are they going to do? I mean, imagine someone with a very small hand. Imagine, you know, a a teenage girl with a smaller hand than, you know, an old man like me. And she'll be lucky to get up to the fourth row. She probably can't reach the fifth row. So, no, obviously the commercial, you know, they got someone with the biggest hand they could find to make it look easier. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. I just make sure that I don't put anything essential in the top row. Well,
0: forgetting about that, let's take a look at other aspects of the iPhone 5. Apple claims a slightly better quality display in terms of the picture quality. Do you see that?
15: Yeah, I do. Um, And and where it really stands out for me is it looks like there's a much better gamma, which um, gamma is basically something in a display that gives better contrast. Um, So the difference between colors and lights and dark seems to stand out a lot more for me. Um, The iPhone 4S seemed a little bit washed out compared to this one.
0: Obviously, there's always a way to make it better and better. It feels lighter. Does it feel as substantial because it's lighter?
15: You know, when I first picked it up, I was like, okay, this is what it should weigh, and, and it weighs more or less about what an iPod Touch uh, the previous generation iPod Touch does, because I always felt that the iPhone was a little bit too heavy. I wouldn't want it to be much lighter than what it is now, though, because this isn't a toy. This is an expensive device. You, it's got to have some heft to it so you don't you know, let go of it, drop it. You've got to feel it. It's, it's important that it has a presence in your hand, and I think it has a good presence. Now, bear in mind that it's lighter while being bigger, so you can you can almost feel that the, the the sort of mass not only is it lighter but that it's less massive in the sense that um you know a given a given row of icons weighs less basically um so you can feel that difference, but I wouldn't want it to be a lot lighter and I'm wondering that when if and when they shift to like something like carbon fiber, which would probably make it you know easily another 10 or 20 grams lighter, um, will it feel too light at that point? Well, I think if it's not substantial, even though it's solid, because it's
0: lighter, you may reach a point where you feel subjectively that it's not as solid or well-built because it is so light. Of course, Apple might also stuff more things in there that will make it heavier. So the point being that you can make it only so light before psychologically... It feels too light. We have Kirk McElhern psychologically telling us lots of stuff on the Tech Night Owl Live.
13: Good day. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, October 5th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at $17.91.80. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 18 dollars $9.17.90 for a half ounce, or four fifty eight ninety five dollars for a quarter ounce. That's 18 dollars $9.17.90, and four fifty eight ninety five.
3: dollars Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase and there's no end to this madness that old 401k and ira can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences i explained this in my book 10 reasons to buy gold don't let time slip away call for your free copy today 800-686-2237 get away from that washington spin and get honest answers about gold 800-686-2237 the book is free 800-686-2237
4: What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dry guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freeze click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, Six month, three month, one month, or seven day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866 404 3663 or go to FreezeDryGuy.com. That's 866 404 3663 or go to FreezeDryGuy.com. 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy
5: positive results from satisfied customers of heart and body extract continue to pour into our website hbextract.com
6: this is out from new jersey one day i saw your ad for heart and body extract and it mentioned that it would help me with angina so i decided to order i figure i had nothing to lose
5: heart and body extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects
6: I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone.
5: Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at HBExtract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or HBExtract.com.
6: I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely
7: gone.
5: Heart and Body Extract, for a long and healthy life.
0: Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night How Live. We're talking about the iPhone Five, getting a sense of the larger screen, the larger screen real estate. Even his big hands had to stretch a little bit to get from one place to the other. In terms of audio quality, making phone calls, do you use that for much, or maybe you don't listen to the earpiece?
15: I haven't noticed much of a difference, but that could be my carrier. Also, you know, I'm only on three G here. I'm not on LTE or whatever it is, and I don't expect to be getting anything like that for a while. Um, So no, I haven't noticed a difference.
0: All right. In terms of download speed, you're on 3G, it's not going to make a difference. In terms of snappiness, opening apps, moving around the interface, any difference?
15: Yeah. You know, it seems like when you put new RAM in a computer or something, and all of a sudden things are a little bit faster, it's that kind of a feeling it's you know slightly more responsive. It's not enough that it makes a huge difference um, because we're talking milliseconds, but it's noticeable. It's
0: so even fast. if it's technically twice as fast as a lot of these benchmarks show, the difference is so slight anyway in the real world
15: that you'll see it being a little snappier, but that's it. Well, when they talk about twice as fast, they talk about processing. They don't talk about certain things such as when you tap an icon, the amount of time it takes for it to expand and fill the screen, they're not saying that's twice as fast. In fact, I'm sure that the animation time for an icon to open and close is something that's fixed in the system. If it's too fast, it's going to look weird. It has to animate just the right amount of time to make sense. So I don't think we're going to see a difference there, where you see differences maybe rendering a web page or playing a game or, or, or zooming in a photo, for instance. That's going to be a lot quicker than it was before. But you're not going to see that when you're swiping screens or tapping buttons or doing anything of that type. Because basically, even with the first iPhone in
0: 2007, it was responsive. There's a science of that, that sometimes the other companies don't master except with brute force.
15: Okay, you and I remember the days—the early days of OS 10—when you would count how many times an icon would bounce before an app opened, and that would give you an idea of how fast your computer was. Well, we've reached the point where that doesn't matter anymore. I don't, very rarely it
0: see. It does for some apps. I mean, if you're not using an SSD and you're opening some of these apps like Photoshop, InDesign, Quark,
15: Express, Microsoft. it's the same problem. Okay, but those Word are the- not so bad. Word not so bad. It's pretty quick after the first launch. In other words, after you reboot, the first launch takes a little bit, but the subsequent launches are much quicker. Um, But these are all things now that don't really matter, and you don't want them to be too fast because it'll look wrong if something opens too quickly, I think.
0: Even in a situation where you have an SSD and things do open very quickly?
15: Yeah, there's still a limit as to how quick it can be. Does it make sense to have something open instantaneously? You need a psychological buffer zone between one thing that you're doing and looking at and another one and i think i just keep looking at the animation on the iphone they have to be making it such that it takes a certain amount of time as that icon opens and the application fills the screen because otherwise it's just odd so there's a thing of making it snappy but not too snappy Yeah, and another example is when you when you go to the multitasking bar and you switch apps, that could be much more instantaneous, but instead there's this sort of carousel effect to show you the transition. And I think, you know, psychologically, I think you need to have that transition. Otherwise, you might actually be confused thinking that you're still in a different app and you've just changed screens instead of changing apps. There you go with psychology.
0: Okay, so now we look at the stuff that came on iOS 6 and the iPhone 5 has generated controversy. Now, since the days of the Watergate in the 1970s, anytime there's a controversy, it must be a gate of some sort. So, for example, we had Antenna Gate. Antenna Gate being the situation with the iPhone 4 where if you held the phone naked, not that you were naked, but the phone was naked without a cover, without protective cover, in the wrong place, lower left-hand corner where the junction of the two antennas is at that particular point, if you held your finger over that, it might cause reception to drop in a marginal reception area. Now, even though other phones had similar problems with similar ways of holding them or different ways, Apple earned the designation as being the prime guilty party in antenna gate. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, it could have been a big deal, but Apple did the right PR thing ultimately to get away from it. Sales of the iPhone 4 were pretty good.
15: I think Apple did the wrong thing in terms of public relations about this whole antenna thing. At because least initially, the, I think they did because Steve Jobs had this rather
0: offhand remark of, oh, you're holding it the exactly.
15: wrong way. He had a terse email with someone, you're holding it wrong. Like, asshole, it's your fault. No, that's not what you do to deal with PR. And of course, it... it I think it got blown out of proportion because of that um, sort of snide remark of his. You're holding it wrong,
0: and also um, Apple didn't help because they come out with another PR release saying, "Oh well, the algorithm used to calculate signal strength is off. We'll fix that." Right, right. They did didn't change anything because we're talking about actual reception, not display.
15: Yeah, no that that was that was a real mess in my opinion in terms of Apple. Now they ended up giving out these bumpers to people. Um, you notice they don't sell bumpers anymore. Uh, I don't know how much it helped. They didn't have an iPhone back then. Um, so I don't really know if it made a difference. But no, I think that was a, a, a total PR mess on Apple's part.
0: And I think Steve Jobs, as much as Apple is complimented for great PR, Steve Jobs was very big about upsetting the message because he'd shoot from the hip, say something, and maybe he was writing those emails at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's tired, he's busy, and he sees something It ticks him off. And he says something, the first thing that comes to his mind without a second's thought, and suddenly Apple PR has to walk it back or fix the message. It's just like, for example, the first iPhone was 599 unsubsidized. Very soon, Apple cuts the price to 399 So people start complaining, I just paid $200 more. What's going on here? And Steve Jobs says, well, that's the price of being an early adopter. Remember?
15: Yeah, and, and what did they end up giving people, $100 credit or something, or eh. give, get to the Apple store? Of course. It wasn't... So. At least they got out of that. But he's not wrong. You, you, uh, an object has the value of the price you're willing to pay. If you're willing to pay $5.99 when it comes out, that's what it's worth. If it gets, if the price drops 50% the next day, that's just the way it is. I think now Apple, there is price protection. I think within 30 days or two weeks. If you buy with a credit card, and depending on, you know, um, in Europe, I think you have. If you buy by mail. So which includes online, you have a week to send something back. Um, Amazon gives you 30 days to send anything back, regardless of, you know, even if you just don't like it. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of ways that people could have gotten around that. But I think, as you pointed out, the reaction of Apple, and particularly of Steve Jobs, wasn't necessarily the most customer friendly.
0: And that's a thing here, which a very big part of what a corporation does is to admit that it makes a mistake in the proper way. Now we go back to situations where they had problems, I guess with Tylenol or something like that, Johnson and Johnson. And they were praised for the way they handled the apology and the product recall and all that kind of thing. We'll get into more of this in a moment. It's not ridiculous though to remind you though if you want to contact us on Twitter. We are known as Tech Night Owl. Once again, we are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We're talking to Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
4: guns, ammo, and food and water. But do you store peace of mind when it comes to your firearms? Now you can with Duracoat. The last thing anyone needs is a firearm that won't work when you need it most. Improve the factory finish and Duracoat your firearms once for a lifetime of protection against rust and corrosion. And Duracoat also protects against water, salt water, mud, grime, or whatever nature throws at you. The Duracoat Shake and Spray Finishing Kit has everything you need to finish a complete firearm for just $34.95. No need for an airbrush or other spray equipment. Just degrease, then spray on DuraCoat and let dry for a lifetime of protection. DuraCoat is the simplest and most user-friendly firearm finish you can buy. Use DuraCoat on knives, camping equipment, or anything metal, plastic, or wood you want to protect from the elements. Call 800-830-6677 or visit Spelled DuraCoat.net. Spell D-U-R-A-C-O-A-T.net. DuraCoat, the finest firearm finish on the planet.
9: Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP. A-S-A-what? What's that mean?
13: Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the A-S-A-P program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success.
9: I've got to know more.
13: Welcome to A-S-A-P.
5: As slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, A-S-A-P Live with Gene Steinberg,
6: it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: On the Tech Night Owl Live with Kirk McElhern joining us, I'm Gene Steinberg. We're focusing on Apple PR's message, and when... Despite the fact that they are praised for being one of the best PR departments on the planet for any company, they make big mistakes. Maybe it's the former CEO's fault. Okay, Tim Cook is more measured about that. One thing about Tim Cook is he may get his message across, but he's more even handed. His mood swings aren't as extreme. So, for example, we had MapGate, and we'll go into that in just a moment. MapGate being the issue where the Apple version of Maps ditching Google had problems. So when this was really getting out of control online because of the intense media scrutiny and individual scrutiny of Apple, the big microscope, getting out of hand, Tim Cook comes out and makes a heartfelt apology, very simply, direct, phrased. It sounded more like him writing it than someone in PR saying something. So I got the impression is maybe PR fine-tuned it, but he wrote the original version.
15: I got that impression. That's entirely possible. I think that the backle of Apple's maps is just incredibly, it shows the company's Weaknesses. You know, I kind of wonder if Apple hasn't turned into Apple as a company, people working for Apple, hasn't turned into a situation where people are afraid to say that they don't like something. Steve Jobs obviously famously told people when he didn't like things. But what about the other people? Since Apple doesn't beta test anything outside of Apple.
0: Well, um, let's just say this. In a case of maps, yes, developers had iOS 6 a couple of months in advance. So they had to have known there were teething pains. Because developers would use it as part of working with their apps, especially if they had companion apps
15: for... Yeah, but the d- d- developers can file bugs. They can't say, hey, we think this sucks. Yes, but by the nature of the bugs, Apple
0: has to get a message. They had to have known there were limitations and problems. Okay. So now, they we also stuff. hear, and this makes sense to me, this is not something that was developed in two months or three months or a year, that Apple has bought mapping companies in the last few years obviously Apple wanted to ditch Google Maps in the worst way because Google would not let them have turn-by-turn navigation. Right. There was another issue, too, with the use of bitmap versus vector graphics. Mm-hmm. The bitmap graphics, when you download it on a cellular network, you're using a lot more bandwidth. Right, and Google these are- had that on Android, but not in the diversion of maps they developed for Apple. So obviously, Steve Jobs went thermonuclear and said, we will bring out our own maps application. And maybe he knew or didn't know in his final days, this was no mean task. It may be that Apple was fully aware there were glitches, especially in display and point of interest and stuff like that. Not as much in directions. But they realized there were bugs, but they did not anticipate the PR fallout. They just thought, okay, people expect the initial release of a product to be buggy. What they should have done would have been to put beta after the word maps. Beta. Do what they're doing still with Siri. Tell people, look, folks, it's beta. We're not responsible if there are glitches.
15: Yeah, and they're doing all these commercials with people doing stuff with Siri and it working. And for a lot of other people, it doesn't work at all. That's not beta when you advertise it.
0: Yes, but they're still calling it beta. It's almost like talking through both sides of your mouth. On the other hand, if you're Samuel L. Jackson and you tell Siri to do something, do you think... Siri's going to listen to you. (laughs) Right, you're Samuel L. Jackson. You're Martin Scorsese. You know, you're Zooey Deschanel, and she's a pretty young lady. You know, Siri's going to respect her.
15: Well, a lot of the complaint about maps is that things are in the wrong places and all that, and there's these pictures of roads that are collapsed and or look collapsed. My biggest gripe is very simple: I cannot see anything on this. Now, I'm currently looking at my iPhone. Um, I've got Google Maps that I've added to a home screen. Now, in the area I live in, the streets are white. The larger roads are yellow, and the space in between all of them is green. So the contrast is excellent. I can look at this, if I'm in my car, I can look at this and see where I am and see where I'm going and see where to turn. If I go to Apple's apps now, the streets are extremely thin gray lines against a very pale yellow background. I can't see the streets around me and I'm zoomed in, you know, fairly enough to see, let's say, three or four blocks in either direction of where I am right now. I simply cannot see the streets. I would not be able to use this um, in a car. I would have trouble seeing this walking if I'm outdoors and there's light outside that you know, that makes it harder to see the screen. The only way I can see this is zooming in so much that it's useless because I can only see a couple of blocks on the screen. So I can't see where I'm going. I can only see if I'm walking down a street, I could zoom in enough for this to be useful, but for no other purpose could I use this. The, the choice now, of Now that
0: colors- fair, by the way, that fair, Kirk, would be an issue of interface. This is something that Apple could fix. It's not the data, it's the way the interface is presented.
15: Exactly. And that for me is the biggest problem. Um, I don't use maps a whole lot, but I do use them to find places. I mean, I'm, I'm living in a town where I've been for less than a year. There's a lot of things I don't know. So I do use the maps and, and GPS to, to find certain places. But for me, it's extremely useless. If I were to try to use this in a car, it would be hopeless. Now, add to that the many often humorous things that people have found of, you know, places in the wrong country or cities on the wrong side of a country or landmarks miles away from where they're supposed to be things that are mislabeled streets that are mislabeled and all that that's a more serious problem in my opinion the usability of this is just so bad though that it's i don't know i just it's hopeless uh and what i find interesting is not only his tim cook done this letter, but this week, if you go to the App Store in iTunes, you'll see a brick um, that says find maps for your iPhone, and you click through, and you get a whole bunch of different map applications. But you know what's very interesting about
0: that? According to a recent survey, they indicate that, yeah, okay, Apple does offer additional apps for mapping, but the uptake by customers except for the first few days isn't that high. For whatever faults Apple has in their own Maps application, people are still using it. I guess part of it is that maybe the other apps give better directions or more accurate displays, but Apple makes it look prettier. Like, for example, I tried MapQuest from AOL. Now, MapQuest is one of the older online mapping services. As a matter of fact, when I do travel in the past, I'd set up a route. I'd set up the Google Maps route and the MapQuest route and compare them and see which one looks more sensible because they both make mistakes. But the interface on their iOS version is very, very bare bones. Mm. It may also be that Apple has begun already to improve Maps. I see a few glitches. They're starting to disappear, but it's probably going to take months or years before everything gets to normal. But what is normal? Because remember, even Google Maps is imperfect; It makes mistakes.
15: To me, normal is a map that you can rely on. That when you're going someplace, that the place you're going to is on the map and it's correctly labeled, and you can get there. I've never had a GPS device in a car. I've always relied on Michelin maps here in Europe. You buy them for local areas or for whole countries and, and all that. We're talking and, about a physical printed map. You know the old thing with paper that you have trouble folding up and all that after you've used it. Listen, I still like it that way. I,
0: you so know to- what I do with Google Maps or. For example, with Apple's maps. Yeah, even with Apple's maps, you can print it out. It does a very nice printout. I just stick with the printout. I don't worry about
15: listening to the turn by turn. What's useful about the phone is that you have GPS. And if you're in an area you don't know, you can find where you are, compare that to where you're going. Whether or not it's turn based directions, you know, depends on how much you travel. um, At least you can find where you are, and that's good. But if I'm figuring out how to get from one place to another, I would just as soon have a printed map.
0: As I said, you're old-fashioned. I remember yeah. years ago when we moved to Arizona, and my son, who must have been at that time six, seven years old, he sat there with physical maps, and he drew out our route. He did very well in it, as a matter of fact. So he understood the old-fashioned way. This, of course, was before we had ubiquitous online stuff. This was 1993. So my you- son was like seven, eight years old at the time.
15: Were you ever a member of the AAA? Of course. You remember the maps that they used to the strip maps that they would make.
0: They would send you maps, and the problem I ran with AAA is after a while you get routes, and the routes were inaccurate. The routes were inaccurate. Isn't that crazy? Kirk McElhern, join us. I'm Gene Steinberg, here in the Tech Night on Live. <laughs> Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1. S-E-E-N number one. SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366.
19: The code seen Scene one to save 10%. So, you don't want to carry a gun, but you do want to ensure your personal safety. Then, empower yourself legally with self defense products from stungunmics.com stun guns come in more shapes than just what you see on TV. Now you can get a powerful mini stun gun that fits in the palm of your hand, a stun baton or a cell phone or lipstick stun gun. StunGunMics.com also carries real spy gear like bug and metal detectors and discreet car and home security cameras that hide in almost any type of everyday object from alarm clocks to pens. Now you can see how your babysitter really treats your children. Go to StunGunMics.com Spelled just like it sounds stungunmike's.com Buy real spy gear from stungunmike's.com just like the exact same spy gear sold to the government, military, corporate security, law enforcement and private detectives. Empower yourself with self-defense products now from stungunmike's.com.
20: Since 1974, Evelyn Gibson has helped thousands of people live healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Gibson's GibsonsHealth.com demonstrates, educates, and inspires customers to replace their healthy, erosive lifestyles with a health-enhancing one. Now, clean up your body and colon without fasting using Herbal Fiber Blend from Gibson's GibsonsHealth.com. Most colon cleansers require you to fast and do colon irrigations, but Herbal Fiber Blend is the only body and colon cleanser that cleans without fasting. A plaque Lined colon invites parasites and candida, and we are overweight because we must eat twice as much to absorb good nutrients. Herbal Fiber Blend also cleans the kidneys and liver, not just the colon. No other cleanser on the market compares to Herbal Fiber Blend. To buy Herbal Fiber Blend from Gibson's Health at wholesale prices, call 800 388 6844. That's 800 388 6844. Or go to gibson'shealth.com. Since 1974, over 30,000 healthier customers.
11: That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television, so from outside it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it any Time you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only 34.95, go to faketv.com or call one 877 5 TV. Each additional fake TV is only 29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. faketv.com. The burglar deterrent.
6: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: We have Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live, and you're talking about AAA route maps. And I said sometimes they were imperfect.
15: My my parents were members of the AAA, and we didn't do a lot of traveling. But when we did, um, they would – actually, the the AAA place was right across from where we lived when I was young. And we would go there, and they would give you these strip maps, I think they were called, and they'd sort of bind them in one of those – you know, plastic spiral binders, and they would go over the maps with a highlighter to show you the exact route. And so you'd go from one page, one strip map page to another, and you'd have this highlighter and they'd give you the whole thing. And it was really good. Um, when it was it, accurate. Well, I was young enough that I don't remember if they were accurate. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't remember us getting lost in the middle of a field any place. Um,
0: tells me of the story that I heard from David Pogue of the New York Times. I mentioned this in the first part of the show where he tells a story that he used Apple's maps to go to a lecture he was giving. He was late to the lecture because he ended up in a field somewhere. Yeah. He didn't, however, do a reality check, which would have been, you know, this program is not really perfected yet. Get yourself a plan B just in case.
15: Yeah. If you've taken any big trips, I think paper maps are, you know, a good backup. They don't run out of batteries or anything. Well, I do print out the maps.
0: Yes, I still do that. I go online, I print out the maps. I certainly do that with Apple's Maps to test it out. I tested Apple's Maps on a number of local routes. I also tested it on the drive to Las Vegas. And it was pretty good, pretty good compared to Google Maps. And it does a really neat printout, a multi-page printout, very nicely done, good style. But as you say, some things about the interface still need work, and the data points still need work. But the other issue here is, okay, knowing the defects, should Apple have gone out there and released it anyway? Maybe they had no choice, partly because, all right, having promoted it, they can't now say, we're not going to do it. Number two, even if they are aware of the limitations, they realize the only way to fix those limitations is to get it in the hands of the public and let crowdsourcing develop the fine-tuning.
15: Yes. see, I don't understand that. How is someone using a map and finding that, you know, Joe's restaurant isn't where it's supposed to be? How is that going to help Apple straighten it out? There's no button that you can tap to say, hey, this is wrong, is there? Yes, there is. Yes, there is.
0: Okay, let us pray. I mean, no, that's not what we're going to do here. So as you hear, I'm opening my iPhone, and it's running iOS 6, and I'm looking at maps. And if you look at the little flap where you do your settings in the lower right-hand corner, and you'll see something here, which is called Report a Problem. A I don't see a problem. Yeah, it's very grayed out when the top of the page flips up. You'll see on the left about... Ah,
15: wait, yes. I've got to get a magnifying glass. Oh, yes,
0: you do. But yep, okay. also when you create routes, you also have that option. When you create a route, it will also give you a Report a Problem. And when you uh, click uh, Report a Problem, there's an article okay, on Macworld yeah. about this, okay? An article in Macworld about this. You have six options to explain what's going on. So yes, Apple does make it possible to report problems. And even with the first press release about maps before Tim Cook did his apology, they said, listen, you could report a problem. They make it possible. It's not that difficult to report a problem. I've already done it. Okay. So even if tens of thousands of people, not millions, but tens of thousands of people are reporting the serious problems, you'd think Apple would be looking at those things in their database. Prioritizing them and fixing the issues. A lot of it might just be the algorithm, the back end where they have to interpret the data they get from TomTom and Tom like a couple of dozen other places. It's not just TomTom. Tom. Hmm. Some people think it's just TomTom. Tom. Apple is getting that data from lots of places. It may be that they, you
15: know, are having problems integrating everything. Right. Well, we'll see. I just think they need to fix the interface because for me, I just can't see, I just can't read anything. It's pretty much unusable.
0: Okay, well that is something you can't change unless there's a version, you know, one point one where Apple decides, Okay, we're going to fix the problems with the interface if enough people complain about it. I certainly think Apple once again is aware of this. They were aware that there were limitations. Maybe they didn't anticipate the fallout that would be so intense, that would be so exaggerated that social networks would report every little thing. And part of the reason is because it's so easy to demonstrate. It's not like a software bug where you have to write a couple of paragraphs about it. It's a screenshot. Here's Google Maps with the street view. Here's Apple with the 3D view. And my God, that bridge is
15: melting. (laughs)
0: Flying saucers are attacking that bridge. So you can show it. Some
15: of them are pretty funny, you got to admit. Okay. So Apple
0: obviously knew about it. The argument, again, I think is a matter of marketing the fact that the software is still beta quality. And yeah, that's the big issue, It is still beta quality. And I think if Apple marketed it better at the very beginning, saying, look, this is the first step of a long voyage. It's going to take a while. There are going to be a few glitches, because that's how mapping software is, very complicated. We hope that users of the iOS will help us improve it over time. It'll be better. And the interface we like now, but everything else will be better. Stick with us. Apple lost the message.
15: I I just don't see that a a marquee feature is a beta. I don't care what it is. Um, I just don't see that as being realistic. I don't see a company selling a device as well, not revolutionary, but as new as the iPhone and having key features that are beta, like Siri, which for me has basically never served any purpose. Maps, which is, you know, okay, it wasn't maybe the big marquee feature for the iPhone, but I, I just don't, you know, this is getting back to the sort of vaporware and, and, and stuff we used to complain about back in the old days. Um It's not right for a company like Apple to be doing things like this. If they can't do it right when they launch it, they should wait. You know, remember iWork.com was in beta like forever and they killed it recently. Um, There's all sorts of – there are things where beta makes sense because it's particular software, but you're advertising it as a beta and you're not putting it in commercials and you're not listing it as a key feature. Basically,
0: we'll have to see how long it takes before Apple fixes it. Final issue here: the great issue of whether there will be an iPad Mini. We heard it's in production already. The Wall Street Journal says that there's going to be a media event later this month to introduce an iPad Mini or Nano or whatever. But your colleague at MacWorld, Dan Morin, says he doesn't think so.
15: I don't know if Dan has any inside information. Um... You know, generally, we're, we get no more information at Macworld than anyone else does. I think these days Apple focuses their
0: targeted leaks, and I think there are leaks, on members of the mainstream press, not the tech press. So, for example, they'll go to the Wall Street Journal, they'll go to the New York Times, they'll go to Fortune magazine, that sort of thing.
15: In my opinion, the iPad mini makes perfect sense. And let me give you an example why. My my son, when he was younger, was a very big reader. You know how it is when kids are young, when they're, you know, 10 or 12, they read a lot. And then they get to a certain age where reading isn't cool anymore. And all of a sudden, he started reading a lot again on his iPad. Just the other day, I told them that, you know different iPad Kindle, iPad's heavier and all this. Just the other day, he says to me, yeah, you know, this really is heavy. Um, I I might be interested in the the Kindle, the new paperweight Kindle. And for me, the iPad Mini would compete directly with the Kindle and would be a device for reading, not necessarily a device for doing I mean, I'm sure it'll do everything, but I don't think the people who are going to buy it and use it a lot are the ones who are going to buy a full-size iPad. I think it'll sell to Kindle users, to people who are reading ebooks. I think it makes a huge amount of sense. For me, the iPad's too heavy also to read with. I find it uncomfortable. I like the Kindle. The Kindle's about what, I don't know, about a third of the weight of the iPad. I like the weight of the Kindle. I like the smaller screen. So there are a lot of reasons for an iPad mini. As to being against, is it going to cannibalize sales of the regular iPad? I don't think so. I think a lower price, smaller screen is going to get more people to buy an iPad. I'll tell you what, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Um, find me on mcalhearn.com. You can find me on Macworld. You can find me on macOS10hints.com.
0: And you can find us on Twitter. We are known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. We've got another radio show for you called The Paracast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we'll be talking to a person who calls himself, or is called, the quiet UFO researcher. He's also a former star in soap operas on TV. Interesting character. That's at The Paracast at Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, special thanks to Kirk McElhern, my friend. Thanks for coming on the show.
15: Thanks for having me again, Gene.
3: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated.
12: We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.